everybody, welcome to another edition of the Surf and Sales podcast. Today's April 9th, and we are a month and change or so into our quarantine from this pandemic, but it's not stopping us from talking sales, having some fun, and trying to learn from some of the best in the industry. I'm here with my friend Richard Harris, and we are joined today by Dave Kennett from Vancouver, BC, and his company Replays, all about sales coaching. How you doing, Dave? Hey, I'm doing great. Thank you. Thanks for, uh, thanks for joining us, man. Should, oh, great should to be here. Kick, I really appreciate you guys having me. Yeah, kick, kick us off a little bit, Dave. Explain to, to folks what Replays is, just to give you can give context to uh, you know, your sales acumen and, and we may even go back in history and figure out what, you know, uh, you know, little Davey was like, I don't know what you went by as a kid, but you know, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, replays was, you know, literally, we literally just started a year ago and, you know, people ask me all the time, like how long has the business been around? And I'm like, well, arguably 25 years. Cause that's how long I've been in sales. And wow. so now that's, of course, when we do go back to little Davy, that's if you include work terms as a salesperson, right? During, you know, college. But if, um, if I look at why replays exist, it's very simple. Um, you know, as, as sales leaders, we know that unfortunately we don't get around to call coaching as much as we'd like uh, often. And, you know, I, I'm not, I know I never got an A plus for it as a sales leader. I know, Sales organizations where I had a great team of directors and sales managers, we didn't always get an A plus for it. And you got to take responsibility uh, as the leader for that, right? For building uh, or not building a coaching culture. So when you hear stats like the average rep getting call coached less than 45 minutes a month, it's a little scary and exciting to think about what the upside could be. So yeah, we simply uh, listen to um, whether it's account executive doing a discovery call uh, a discovery call, demo, proposal call, commercial call. So it could be transactional or enterprise uh, or SDRs or customer success. We simply call coach. We're an extension of the call coaching function for sales leaders. And, you know, we've watched hundreds of them. So we've sort of got a hundred best practices that we recommend for your modern day, um, modern day sales call via screen share and, uh, and video. That's what we do. So how do you do it? How do you differentiate from the others just to get, again, I, I want, you know, I think everybody sort of thinks of this for Gong and Chorus, which are two great companies, but, you know, you, you've talked a little bit about video and some stuff like that. So what's the, what's a differentiator just so people have more context? Yeah. So um, a lot of people bulk us into, oh, well, you're kind of like Gong and Chorus. Like, actually, no, not at all. A completely separate use case. So Gong and Chorus, awesome. We love them. Most of our customers use Gong and Chorus. So it's kind of like, if you get that like beautiful, awesome home gym, that's Gong or Chorus. Uh, but how do you use it? <laughs> and who's using it? Because so it helps you streamline your conversational intelligence uh, dramatically. But is it solving for that one problem we talked about a couple minutes ago, which is the average person's getting coached less than 45 minutes a month what do you mean streamline it talk what is that like that's streamlining coaching like that's too buzzwordy for me yeah very simply I, I, i'm glad you called me on that actually i don't want to be that guy that's like blah, 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 right um yeah so very simply reps send us their zoom recordings or their chorus recordings or their gong recordings and we listen to them or watch them and we have a team of professional coaches uh that were awesome sales reps at one point and they say, hey, you, maybe you should have done an agenda. They like pause it and they're like, they jump on the screen. They're like, 
you know that that you know when notice that you jumped right into business and you didn't lay out a framework or hey in that pricing objection i noticed that you discounted right away uh you know here are a few tactical ways that you can overcome that or hey, i noticed you don't have your video on or your videos on but we're looking up your nostrils and so any number of things think of it as a compilation of best practices that we've learned through watching hundreds of demos and what's neat is when someone gets a sales coach they they like yeah 70% of it is our replaced best practice but 30% is the person's street cred right like we have a former vp sales of linkedin who's one of our coaches i would want to be coached by that person when i was an enterprise sales rep right and yeah i'd want to hear the replaced method like replaced best practice but i want to hear war stories that that person's gone through so hopefully does that give more more context richard yeah, definitely. Thank you. Thank you for, for that. the whole situation now with sales teams being remote and, and companies and managers learning how to coach, you know, virtually and that kind of thing, um, obviously plays right into your sweet spot and you've been doing it for years, but never, never mind, you know, your company and, and, and what you do. Give some advice to sales managers, sales directors, sales VPs out there. You know, what is the most effective way for them to deliver coaching right now? Right? Is it listening to these recorded calls? Is it joining them on, on calls and Zooms? What is it in, in your opinion? Well, I think it's a mixture of both. I think it's certainly important to uh, join calls. But of course, you know, a leader needs to be strategic about their time. And you're probably going to want to join the calls where you're going to help push them over the edge to close your quarter strong, et cetera. Um, and, and often the reps, you know, they're learning from watching a lot of the time. But as sales leaders, we tend to take the controls of the plane and we don't want to see the rep sometimes, you know, if they're about to fly it into the mountain, we don't let them. So what's great about call reviews is uh, sometimes a rep will fly it into the mountain, just like all of us have done. And just like I still do sometimes, but no one's there to save them. So it's a learning moment in that we can actually, as sales leaders, listen to those calls and give them feedback. So A, I think it's a mixture. I think absolutely still listening to call recordings are important. I think uh, I think then jumping, like either writing down notes, documenting them in, you know, Chorus, Gong, Refract, Jiminy, whatever you're using, um, or even just a plain old Google Doc, if you haven't paid for that in your stack tech, that's fine too, right? Writing down your notes and then having a half hour debrief call. Hey, here are some of the things we saw. You know, I noticed I reviewed two of your calls and I noticed that uh, you'll talk for 20 minutes and you'll only check in twice. And when how do you, you do check, how do you, how do you, how do you feel about trying to do the call review, you know, together? Right. So that. like you and I are on the on the Zoom right now and uh, we've got a recording and we push play and we're listening to it together and we just, you know, start, stop and give live immediate feedback. So How do you feel I, about that method as opposed to sort of listening as a coach on your own and then delivering the feedback? Well, I think, you know, if that sales leader is in that role, they're in the role because they know how to, uh, what to look for and how to coach. So I don't, I think doing it real, um, real time with the rep and listening together um, is more valuable. I think it's better to do that way. And I, some, you know, some leaders might be more introverted, more reflective, and might want to have that time to pause, reflect, maybe listen to a couple and then send feedback. But I think for the most part, Doing a live one is great. The only drawback there is not only are you taking your time to listen to a whole, I don't know, 45 minute call, but now you're taking that rep's time for that whole 45 minutes. So I think doing it super impactful, yeah. um, doing it, um, you know, at scale every month all the time could be challenging. So I would do a mixture, um, yeah. but I, I think it's impactful. How do you, 
you know, I love the coaching practice and I love where the world is, right? From a sales perspective that we are all embracing training and coaching and, and those things are all, you know, falling under enablement, whatever that really means. Yeah. But the biggest challenge I still see is time management. Managers are, you know, they've got teams of 10 or 12. Um, what, what are some best practices you've seen you know, to see the successful managers? What are the best managers who use role replays doing to make sure they're making enough time for this stuff? Well, I think, you know, unfortunately, we're seeing that quite a bit. We're seeing span of control between nine to 12 reps. And uh, we know that's tough, right? We know that you almost become an administrator a lot of the time. Uh, yeah, sure. More than more at, that, than at that size team. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. So if we're talking about that specific size team, my best advice is, systematize right so if you don't have a process uh find one and and that's to do with sure you know your how you review pipeline calls and how you go throughout your day but if we're talking you know specifically about the context of call coaching richard i i would say it's around making sure you have a process you, know, you got i was talking to a first-time leader I earlier that, on. and i i love the fact that you say process um but what is a good process? What is a good process for people to follow? Because I think that's what they lack. We don't know what we don't know, right? And it's never the same for everybody, but certainly for people who are listening, like if you're gonna define a, a process and you do have, let's just call it 10 reps, what might that look like? What can we give them as a starting point to walk off this, this podcast and go, oh, I should try that? Right, well, um, <laughs> One thing I don't want to do is be salesy here, right? So Replace has a list of 100 best practices uh, that we know help reps convert better. But what I would say is this, is a lot of organizations have vest, invested in awesome methods, whether it's Sandler or Challenger or Miller-Hyman. So I would say, um, for the sales leaders listening, I would say put together a call coaching form that coaches to those things that you've invested in with your team. So they know what to expect. Now, for, there's a lot of folks listening right now who are like, hey, we don't have a freaking process where we spent thousands or hundreds of thousands on. What do we do? And that's where I think you need to develop something, um, whether you reach out to an organization uh, or whether you develop it yourself. But I think as a rep, if my call is going to be coached and uh, I, I want to kind of, I don't want there to be a bunch of gotchas. Like, you know, every single time, I don't know what good looks like. So I think you need to define that. So if it's like, hey, every time you need to have an agenda. Okay, what does that look like? It's these three steps. Okay, what are those steps? So I guess my, my answer back would be, there's lots of great processes out there. There's lots of great best practices. Pick one, implement it, coach to it, and, in, and ingrain it into the fabric of your organization. I completely agree. I don't care which process you choose, just choose one. You can, yeah. I've got mine, which is neat. Medic is a very popular one because it's easy yeah. to follow, right? Just choose something because something's better than nothing. And over time, you'll just keep tweaking it and figuring out what's unique for you. Yeah. Let, me, let me ask you a, a, a question that's been on my mind <clears throat> recently. Um, what are you optimistic about that this current situation is, is uh, is going to do to the profession of sales and sales leadership. What is, is there anything? I mean, I have a few things that I think I'm optimistic about that might uh, that might change. You know how sellers and, and sales leaders have gone about their business. But but what about you? What do you, what are you optimistic about? Yeah, you know, 
first of all, I mean, there's so many things to be sad about, right? When you think of people being laid off, you think about people trying to just provide basics, whether it be food, shelter. So first and foremost, that is just so tough, right? So I do think though, it's a great question because we need to focus on what the positives may be. And I think, you know, one for me is um, when I, I, advising for a number of startups over the years and working for a number of startups, it's been just driven home in my mind, the importance of looking at like a ratio, like unit economics, like CAC to LTV. So looking at your cost of customer acquisition to lifetime value. And you get a lot of older school companies who think they have to be jumping on a plane to go meet a customer and, or even if it's in town, jumping in a car and going to meet them. And they'll, they'll do a one hour drive into town, uh, meet with a customer for half an hour that wasn't that qualified and do an hour drive back. When from a velocity perspective, they remotely could have pre-qualified two or three customers in that time. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm a huge proponent of face-to-face, -face, but I see a lot of organizations not actually leveraging technology to the point that they, they could, where they're driving up their cost of customer acquisition. And what this is doing, it's forcing them to actually drive that down and realize, wait a sec, we can actually communicate as human beings and as sellers in an effective way and still conduct a discovery call. And still, now, some products are way tougher to demo remotely, and I recognize that. For, so for those folks on this that are listening, that are in that scenario, I feel for you, and I, I, I'm sure you're trying to find lots of creative ways, and I'm not suggesting that it should all 100% be remote. But there are a lot of other people where you actually can demo your product remotely and you haven't in the past. To me, a silver lining is people yeah. will realize, wait a sec, <clears throat> there's a far more cost-effective way to actually go to market uh, than we've been doing in the past. Maybe, and maybe, do you think maybe it will help everybody get better at qualifying and, and determining who is actually worth a, a meeting and worth that time, right? I sure hope so. You know, it, it, it's just funny how many call reviews we do where discovery is like two minutes <laughs> and it should be 15 or 20 or 30 or just a whole call. Um, and I, I think discovery gets, I hope so, but then it comes back to what we're saying. How, they don't know how to do it better. Like they being like, when I was a junior rep, I didn't know how to do it better. Just cause I started doing things via video instead of face to face, I was still asking them the same questions. Yeah, I think I think it, I think what's happening too is that it's forcing everybody on both sides of the screen to be more self-reflective. Yeah. Right. Like as a salesperson, if I'm in front of people, I can get very animated and go. But if I'm also sort of out of the corner of my eye watching my hand movements, I'm paying a little bit more attention to what I'm doing and how I'm doing it. And I think the same happens for the buyer. Right. There's for some reason. Um, I think the buyer often looks more vulnerable on the screen. And I wonder if it's because I'm not in their office. I'm not in their power play. I'm not in their conference room. They're not sitting at the front of the table. I know they got the same shit going on with kids and schools and dogs barking that, that they do. And so it feels, I think an interesting thing is it's made these conversations a little bit more human. And because we often talk about the human aspect, how are you doing? And we're having sincere human conversations. So I think the humanity is, is a big piece that I hope is, will stick around after all this. I love that. Yeah, I agree. There's a level of connectedness that um, is taken away from us, but we're finding other ways to bridge that. And, and I, you know, I, I really like that. And I think, too, you know, prospects, I, I have a lot of 
um, customers where they're like, no, we don't want to use video because our prospects aren't on video. Well, uh, I always push back and say, at least if they can see you, that's important. But now those prospects that never thought about using Zoom before, they're actually going to be a lot more comfortable jumping on. So I think that's going to change our industry a little bit, which is great. Yeah, I told, I told Scott yesterday that I had a, a chance to invest in two many in, in several stocks, but I, I made a decision a, a couple of months ago between Zoom and um, what's the other one, Scott? Um, Slack, right? Yeah. And I ended up choosing Slack. And it's Ooh. like... <laughs> <laughs> the tough one. But two great companies. Yeah, great yeah companies. I think they're going to be okay too, though. Yeah. Yeah, they'll, they'll, sur they'll survive just fine, I think. You know? Yeah. <clears throat> what a... What adjustments are, are, are you seeing? So you're, you're reviewing all these calls. What are the strategies that people are deploying now that they, that they weren't? There's gotta be some trends that you're noticing. Everybody's trying to solve the jigsaw puzzle and get through the maze. Like what's the right message right now, right? How do you prospect still without being, you know, disrespectful or whatever? Um, yep. So what, what, are, what are some of the trends that, that you're seeing? Like rooted in fact, like this is not opinion. Like this is what you're seeing people do right now. Yeah, I'll tell you what I see the successful ones doing. The successful ones that have adapted quickly are going straight to ROI quicker. And um, right, right in the, they realize that in a lot of cases, budget is not going to get freed up unless the prospect is able to make a very solid business case. And so, you know, we're talking a lot about uh, really um, hammering home what um, in your discovery, what um, we see the best reps doing this right now what's the cost of status quo all right what does future state look like if you absolutely if you deploy our solution um is that going to be a cost savings measure is that going to be a revenue driver where are the levers that we're going to allow you to pull by um, implementing our solution what's the delta um and and then what what's the business case here's your cost but here's the upside let me help you um, present that to your cfo let me help you put a spreadsheet together google doc that's going to help you with the ROI. That's where we see the best reps. And I'm not saying this is widely happening. It's not, but the best reps are doing that. And arguably they, of course they should have been always doing it, but the ones that are adapting quickly. And I think uh, where I see their win rate uh, doing okay is where they're doing that. That's good feedback. Yeah. How do you, how do you, again, I'm going to try and get tactical on that. How do you coach someone to effectively talk about, I don't like the phrase ROI, I call it economic impact, but whatever phrase you want to yeah. use, yeah. how do you coach them to get there meaningfully, to your point, more quickly um, without sounding obnoxious about it, right? Like that's, it's something I teach, you know, but, but to your point, and you, you say you've got to get there faster. Well, what does faster mean in your mind? Yeah, I think what it means is a lot of reps in the past would wait until they had the pricing discussion until they talked about uh, the economic impact, right? And I, I think having catching their attention earlier, even during the discovery, right? So as you're going through the discovery and this person that you're, you know, if I'm the prospect and I'm being um, questioned, I'm probably thinking, man, is this worth my time? And, and so to help validate that early on, I think you know, we were hearing so much about being and not being tone deaf, leading with empathy. I think this is part of the empathy part saying, hey, I'm, I'm putting myself in your shoes. My guess is um, that from a budgetary perspective, things are a little tougher today than they were a month ago. Is that right or not? Please tell me more about that. And, you know, let's assume 80% or more of customers prospects say yes. 
then it opens up that discussion early on. And that's where I don't think it's obnoxious at all. If it's because I agree, it could definitely come across as obnoxious. I don't think if you approach it that way from a perspective, hey, if I'm in your shoes, you probably have to make a pretty solid business case for this to make any sense right now. To free up yeah. any, shake loose any budget. I, I just love to be here to help you through that. So yeah. that's how I would recommend not being obnoxious about it, but still getting it in, in there up front. Yeah. My friend, uh, Stephen Brody, wrote something, tweeted something this morning or yesterday. It said something to the effect of like, selling with empathy right now is understanding your prospect's pain and understanding that your solution solves that pain for them. And that's why you're reaching out. It's not, hey, I hope you're doing okay right now. So I thought, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was a really great phrase. Yeah. Our, our other friend, Dale Dupree, I love, you know, in our podcast with Dale, um, if you don't know Dale, Dave, you should. He's, first of all, he's hilarious. He's a really yeah. funny guy. Yeah. Um, he does the sales rebellion. But he talked in our podcast about meeting them in their space, like meeting them where they are, right? That's, for, and I, that really hit home with me about empathy. Uh, we, were, we weren't even talking about sales. We were talking about just life and sort of relationships with your parents and kids and stuff and how his dad was really good at meeting him in Dale's space to talk about something rather than dictating all the time, right? And I think that, that I really walked away, one, for my own kids and doing that with them, but also with our customers, I think that's exactly what's happening um, from an empathetic standpoint. I love that. Yeah, I just love that. I, I um I enjoy Dale's content a lot and I, I love the, I love, I really like that, you know, I was talking to a, a, a customer of ours earlier on today and we talked about the importance of it's, it's, you know, that old Maya Angelou saying, you know, I'm butchering it a little bit, but it's not what you say. It's the people remember it's how you make them feel. Right. And, and, and it's like tonally, you know, we're going through an exercise. How often before you get on a call, do you think, what are the top two or three ways I want this person to feel? Instead of looking at your fifth slide in the fourth bullet point and making sure the font's the right size, it's like, who cares? Like, forget that. How do you want them to feel? And I think that, you know, and I, when we go through that exercise, I hear lots of interesting things, right? So we hear, I want them to feel that they're confident in our hands, that, that we're a trusted, you know, uh, an, an, an trusted advisor, um, excited and passionate. And when we're intentional about these things, I think it's important. And so to Dale's point of meeting them in their place, I think thinking through when you're doing your pre-call planning, it's not just about looking at their LinkedIn. It's about, you know, I'm going to hypothesize about what's probably keeping this person up at night. There's a 50% chance I'm right, 50% chance I'm wrong. I'm going to ask. I'm not going to assume, but I'm going to start thinking about what they might. And then I want to think, all right, if I can help them with the pain, how do I want that to feel for them? And I think as sellers, we have to be thinking about that. That's great. That's great. How are you? Um, let me know if you don't want to talk to this a little bit, but <clears throat> I've been, I've been trying to find somebody willing to talk about it. So maybe you'll step up to the, to the plate here. Yeah. Um, you know, you got to, you're building a, a business. You're a CEO founder right now. What are the things that you're thinking about right now for the next few months and the rest of the year and, and, and beyond? You know, um, I haven't heard too much chatter about that. People are, you know, nobody wants to talk about all the negative stuff and things that are scary, but like shit's scary, right? Like, are, are you having to down forecast? Or are you 
you know, making no changes in this regard and, and just adjusting strategies and confident and everything. I'm, I'm curious if you're willing to talk about the psyche of a, of a founder and a CEO right now. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'll be real honest. Um, you know, when this thing first hit, as you pointed out at the outset of this call, um, you know, a month ago and change, right? It wasn't that long yeah. ago. Yeah. Um, certainly all the wheels are turning. The first thing I think about, of course, are my kids. Um, and then you think, okay, can I still provide for my kids in a way um, I can? Then you think about your employees and the contractors. We don't have a ton of employees. Um, we have a few contractors. Um, and you think about, okay, can we keep this going uh, for them? And then you think about your customers and you think, uh, you know, which ones need us now more than ever um, and can't afford us? Which ones need us now more than ever and can afford us? And for those that can't, how can I help them? And, uh, and then you think about the larger picture of, wait a sec, if, you know, once I got through the, okay, wait a sec, economically, we're actually, it, and it, it might be way too early to say this, but it feels so far like, I can't even talk about the future. Why don't I just say, so far we're okay. Why don't I just That's put fair. it there? I mean, maybe, maybe the correct answer is, look, Scott, to be honest with you, as, as a founder right now, I can't worry about January. I can't worry about Q4. I can't worry about Q3. I got to worry about fucking right now. Maybe maybe tomorrow. That's about as far away as I can think. Maybe yeah. Tomorrow. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll share. Like, I, we had uh, uh, $80,000 of pretty much guaranteed revenue slip in a week and a half. <laughs> I got to see a wave from Richard. Is it the same thing? Me too, man. Same yeah. thing. And, and, and to be honest, um, you know, if you told me a year ago that I'd be throwing around those kind of numbers for the end of month for uh, slipping, I'd be like, what? And, and then looking at that, what we, we did have, though, was when I look at our handful of customers um, that are, are, were, were impacted very negatively and then a bunch of them that are neutral and a number that are, are thriving, the ones that were hit negatively, you know, they, they put things on pause and we're just here to support them. Uh, we're still on Slack channels with them. We're still doing lunch and learns and stuff. The ones that um, are, have actually been adversely affected um, but haven't laid anyone off and they've got a war chest, they're like, hey, our reps are sitting on their hands right now um, for, for a third of the day. Let's train them up. Yeah, good time to double down on learning and coaching. and you know, Totally. And then we've got a couple that are so busy right now that they've actually put training on pause, if you can believe it. I'm like, come on. Now's when you need it most. Like, you know, um, and, and so – um, and then I look at new customers and I look at, uh, we've had a few folks that weren't even in the pipeline a month and a half ago that are in now and they're field reps that are trying to figure out how to sell remotely. And, and so the amount that we brought in hasn't covered the amount that slipped, but economically as an, as an organization, we've got enough to pay our employees, pay our contractors and take care of those needs I talked about earlier for my kids. That's the last four weeks. Ask me in a few months. What I can tell you is this, we're focused on A, driving value back to our customers and prospects. B, listen, I'm fortunate, right? In terms of where I grew up, what I've been able to do in my life. And so, you know, I know we'll talk about it later, but we're also looking at the broader picture of how we give back to people that, you know, two months ago were gainfully employed. They have a few kids. They now don't have a job. They don't have enough food on the table. They used to rely on the school system for that. The schools are closed and the food banks are depleted locally. And now they had to tell their kids, hey, we've gone from three meals to two. So everything I just said the last five minutes, I don't really give a shit about now. It's yeah. more like, because it, it pales in comparison to that, right? Yeah, the pers perspective is important for us to come back to and, and keep in mind, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Talk to us a, a little bit about 
this initiative that you that you put together it has nothing to do with your your company. It's a wonderful cause, and uh, I want to give you a chance to get the word out about it. Thank you. Yeah, you bet. I appreciate that. So um, we started thinking, you know, what is it that we can do to give back? Uh, we don't have uh, you know um, millions in the bank, uh, but um, what we do have is uh, value and time, right? And so we're giving back a bit of value and a bit of time, actually quite a bit in the next couple of months where uh, we have this replay certification that we usually charge 2,100 bucks for. And it's this like three week boot camp program, nine sessions, 45 minute sessions, and reps learn to sell in a modern way through screen share um, and uh, doing video calls and, and our 100 point best practices. And we're giving that away for free, but the price of admission is a thousand dollar donation to the local food bank. And so we just had, we just rolled this out. Outreach was the first to step up. They're putting a rep through it. Um, and we want to, uh, we're calling it million meals because every dollar actually feeds 10, uh, makes 10 meals. And uh, the nice thing too, is when you donate, we, we partner with an organization that you donate and it goes to the food bank in your community. So if your headquarters is in Seattle, it goes to Seattle or what have you. And then um, we want to get 100 reps in uh, and we want their companies to pay a thousand bucks per. And hey, I want to, you know, for the folks listening going, what's this guy saying? Like all these companies are struggling right now. Uh, where are they getting this thousand? And we're talking about the, you know, 20%, 10% of companies are still doing okay. They want to get back. Well, here's a way to do it right? And maybe they choose not to. And that's great. Good on them if they're giving out, you know, giving away somewhere else. Um, but the reps also get trained at the same time. Uh, so that's, that's what Million Meals is about. And they can find more information at um, replays.com forward slash million meal, a million meals. Million meals. Yeah. Million meals. That's amazing. That's really, really cool. So, um, and just out of curiosity, what's the response been from the community? I know you said outreach came in. Are, do people get it? They understand? They do. I think this is unfortunately one of those things um, that needs to be a personal ask, right? I think I need to actually reach out to, um, you know, uh, 50 companies and hope that 20 of them put five reps in each. Um, you know, outreach stepped up right away. We've got 10,000 meals already covered and that's in the last week. So right. that's pretty exciting, right? To think of there's some family right now somewhere with kids around a table that have meals because of outreach. How freaking cool is that? And so if you're listening in the, assuming they pick Seattle, it's in that community too. Correct. Exactly. Yeah, yeah that's exactly right. Exactly. Right. And so, um, uh, you know, so I think the answer is I don't think a lot of people just because of my LinkedIn posts are going to go, Hey, I'm going to contact Dave right now and sign up. I think it's going to take me calling some CEOs, some CMOs, some CR. Anyway, you know what I mean? Executive level folks that control a bit of budget and and have a personal ask so i'm carving out a bit of time for that yeah i, I think well, you I, should i think you should eat your dog food right and and you know record your call on the first one then go record record the call on the 20th one and see how they're different right yeah like, you know what i mean like it'd be, it'd be cool because like it, it, it's an awkward it feels like an awkward ask even though we're all skilled at doing this stuff you know we it still takes warm-ups right we still got to stretch you know, I, so. you, you, we still have to, you know, fight to have the same uh, sense of enthusiasm and passion after we got hung up on 19 times in a row before. Absolutely, our man. Involved. I think that'd be cool. Right? <clears throat> it's not much different, you know. Exactly so. right. I like that, though. You're right. My 20th call is going to sound different than my first. And you know what? I haven't even picked up the phone. I've been emailing some, you know, uh, C-level folks that the three of us all know, right, and doing the ask. There you, Dave. 
How dare you? Pick up the phone. You're setting a bad example for all those SDRs and salespeople. We're, push, we're pushing him now. We're pushing him to do. No, you're right though. I'm being vulnerable here. Is, being is replay able to educate me on my LinkedIn emails? Like, is that going to help me? Like, you know, come you on. Know, it's 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 so funny you say that. When so of course when I hired uh, our first sales rep, he's like, Dave, do you realize how much pressure there is on me when I'm selling? replays to organizations, right? Because I'm expected to be the best sales rep they've ever seen because presumably I'm trained on replays. And, and, and I said, hey, listen, take the pressure off. I said, they think the same of me and I screw up all the time and I just call a spade a spade. When I, when I pitch someone, I'm like, listen, uh, there's probably eight things you would have done differently if you, you know, if, if you were me or if you had coached me, you'd tell me eight things I could. And so, yeah, uh, there's one of them right now. Pick up the phone instead of using LinkedIn. Yeah. Probably good idea. <laughs> or 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 uh, you know, take a play a, a page from a, a not necessarily just him, but Morgan Ingram has been leaving LinkedIn voicemails, yep. you know, all yep. all over the place. And uh, Justin Michael is another friend of mine that I know uses this uh, this strategy as well. So you yeah, know, Omni Channel, Omni Channel, Dave, Omni Channel. I love I love the Omni Channel. Actually, I got to share a quick funny story just while we're on this. Yeah. Uh, I, I did, a, so one of my, um, the vice president of sales at Auto Trader hired me for my first director role in 2009. I was young um, and it was, um, it was a big step for me and he took a risk on me, which I really appreciate. Anyway, he reached back out to me a month ago. I didn't know, but he'd been following some of our content on LinkedIn. He goes, listen, I just, uh, at a new organization, we want to look at deploying replays. Can you come out and give us the pitch? So I gave the pitch and he stopped me halfway through. He goes, Dave, Dave. I got to give you some coaching here, man. He's like, this last thing that you, and I'm like, oh my gosh, my old, it's, it's like going to dad, right? And dad, <laughs> you know, being a grown up and dad's like in front of your friend saying, hey, you got to, anyway. So I thought that was kind of funny. That put me in my place a little bit. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Before we get out of here, Dave, is there anything, uh, you know, that we can do for you to support you and your efforts? Obviously, I saw, I saw your post about the million meals to try, try my best to kind of amplify that message and whatnot. But um, is there anything else that, that we can do to, to help you or add value to you? Uh, you know, I, I think just having me on here to talk about what the three of us are passionate about, which is having meaningful convert, you know, at least speaking for myself, meaningful sales conversations and adding value to prospects and customers. It was, was super fun. So thank you for that. I, I, I don't know for the folks listening, if you're a rep and you think that uh, you would like replay certification and your company might pay for it through um, uh, a food bank donation, pitch them on a million meals. Let's do that. We'll give you a free certification if you guys, if your company gives back. And if you're a leader who actually has budget control and um, in, uh, well, I'm not sure when this thing's going to go live. We're going to try and, our, our training starts on May I think it's fourth or something. So be, this will be live. This will be live next week. I love it. Okay, great. So it's really for the month of April um, that we're asking for people to step on this program. So if you want to throw a few reps into this program, uh, what a great way to get them trained up as well as um, uh, giving back. And then that's all I would say. Fantastic. All right, bud. Always good to see you, man. Appreciate your insights. Love what you're doing. Good luck with everything. And uh, we'll be in touch. Sorry for the barking dog if that interrupted anywhere. So. I didn't hear it. I didn't hear it. Well, thank you so much, guys. I really, really appreciate it. And um, we'll talk to you guys soon. Dave, we really appreciate it. A lot of fun. Thanks, Richard. Cheers.